Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 265, and it is titled, How to Increase Your Potential for Pleasure. And I have a guest host with me today who I will be introducing in just a moment. So how to increase your potential for pleasure? It's kind of an interesting subject, right? Because most people think, well, what do you mean? Like I can either feel pleasure, enjoy pleasure, or not. I I don't understand. Like, but there actually is a difference and we're going to we're really going to get into this we're really going to talk about it how a lot of people limit themselves limit their capacity for pleasure because they either don't know they can experience more or they have something holding them back that is preventing them from experiencing more and so they don't often realize just how much more pleasure they could be experiencing uh, if they could remove some of those blocks and open up to it So that's what we're going to talk about today. There's actually quite a bit to cover. And I would suggest that even if you think that you are really open to pleasure and you're like, hey, I got lots of pleasure in my life, I would suggest that you hang in there and you listen to this because there is a possibility that you could go even further, even deeper into your pleasure than you think that you can. Okay, but before we do that, A short word from our sponsor, Power and Mastery 3.0 is here. The men's sexual mastery program you've heard about on this show for a long time is now even better. I have personally reviewed every module, lesson, video, audio, and PDF to see if there is anything new that could be added to the already amazing Power and Mastery. As a result, I have added 10 new videos, one new audio, eight new PDFs, and dozens of links to hand-picked products to help support your journey to mastery. In addition, there's also a brand new user interface that makes it easier to navigate the course and find your course materials. So if you are ready to become the sexual master you have always wanted to be, then go to powerandmastery.com. This has only been out for a few weeks, but I'm already starting to get feedback from people thanking me for version 3.0, which makes me very happy because it took a lot of work to make that happen. So uh, if you have been on the fence, you've been struggling with problems related to your sexuality or your relationships, now is the time. Get on Power and Mastery 3.0 at powerandmastery.com. Okay, so today I have a guest host with me. Her name is Jacqueline Ava Sophia, and we're going to welcome her to the show. And Jacqueline, please tell everybody who you are and why you are joining me today. Thank you, Kevin. I am so excited to be talking about increasing potential for pleasure today. I am a sex and empowerment coach, and I offer women a safe space to be fully themselves on their journey of self-discovery. I'm a certified master neuro-linguistic programming practitioner with a background in multiple relationship coaching modalities, including the Gottman method, and also extensive training in Tantra and sacred sexuality. I've created a system for coaching that focuses on releasing shame, boosting self-worth, and nurturing self-love. 
Um, that's me. So excited to dive into this topic today. All right. Well, those are some excellent qualifications. Okay. So we're going to dive right into it because there's actually a lot to cover here. So I, I hope that we can jam it all into an hour in a way that uh, delivers the content and makes sense to people. So I, you know, when I start to create these outlines, and you you helped me with this, we worked on this together, so I don't want to make it sound mm-hmm. like I did the whole thing. But when I start to create these, I always like to step through them in sort of a logical way, like what's the beginning and then how do we get to the end? And so here, starting at the beginning, I think it's important to define for the listeners what we're talking about when we say pleasure. And so we've got a list of things here to help describe that. You want to start with the first one? Yeah, absolutely. This one is my favorite. It's so key for me. It's what do we mean when we say pleasure? It's the sensations in our bodies that produce good feelings, but it's not only that. It's also the sensations in our bodies that go along with emotions that we're welcoming. So even if it's anger or sadness, there can still be pleasure along with it if there's these qualities um, of expansion instead of contraction in order to really allow and move it through. So this is um, kind of a different definition of pleasure of really just welcoming everything that is there. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to define it, right? Because maybe a lot of people wouldn't have thought of it that way. They would tend to think of pleasure only as sexual pleasure or, you know, the pleasure from uh, eating something really good or, or, or that type of pleasure, as opposed to the fact that, you know, there could be pleasure in a range of different emotions. So that's kind of similar to the next one on the list, which is it can be in the context of sex, but it doesn't mm. have to be. And it can be, it can literally uh, include any area or aspect of your life. Yeah, exactly. So it's increasing this potential for pleasure, which is also called orgasmic potential. And it's in sex and in life. And um, I know it can sound disappointing in a podcast about pleasure, but it doesn't mean everything is good or everything is happy and joy, but it's it's about, um, yeah, it's really about expansion and allowing those things to move through. So the stance of welcoming the feelings um, is really behind this uh, ticket into more pleasure. Yeah, and I'm going to deviate from the list here for a moment because I, and as a woman, hopefully you can speak to this, but you know, when you're, when you're having really deep, connected lovemaking over a period of time, not, not your standard, you know, five to seven, 10 minute long sex, but like, you know, 30, 40, 50 hour, two hours, whatever kind of sex. And you're deeply connected. I know because I've personally experienced this many times that women can go through a range of emotions during that period. Um, especially if it's a newer partner and they're touching them in a way either internally or externally that is different. It might stir some emotions. It might move things. And so uh, when we're talking about pleasure, it's important to understand that all of those emotions moving during the, during the lovemaking uh, could potentially be a form of pleasure and to not just think of it as the orgasm. It's all about the orgasm. It could be that full range of things moving through you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know that experience well. And 
Um, this is something that I come across so often in my coaching too, and particularly around women saying like, oh my gosh, like tears are coming up. I don't want to cry. And I'm like, no, like that's allowing those tears to flow is so much of the tenderness and the vulnerability that really allowing what is there. And yeah, it might not obviously feel like pleasure, but sometimes crying or sounding or even screaming can feel really good because it feels like a release. So it really is just being present in that journey. And um, next up in our list, we have, uh, yeah, the motivation of moving away from pain as opposed to moving towards pleasure. And I think that moving towards pleasure and that stance of really being open to what comes up in the lovemaking um, is is really key. Do you have more to say on that? Yeah, you know, the reason why I wanted to put this one on the list is because I, I felt like we needed to have a little discussion on this because, and especially if you if you get into, you know, like social sciences or anything like that, where they're studying humans and why humans do what they do, you will often hear that humans' primary motivation is to avoid pain. And I'm not denying that that's true. There is a huge motivation to avoid pain. This is, this is why, and I don't think it's the best way, but this is why like discipline in, in learning tends to work to a, to a certain extent, right? Which is that I better do what I need to do because I don't want to get yelled at because the getting yelled at is the pain part, right? That's the, the discipline part. And so therefore I'm motivated to do what I need to do because I want to avoid that. And so there is something to be said for that. However, I think that when it comes to your relationship and your sexual relationship, you shouldn't be viewing it as I'm trying to, to avoid pain. I'm not doing this in my relationship for my partner because I just want to avoid getting yelled at, right? That, that's not what we're going here, going for here. What we're going for is we're doing these things because if I do this for her, she will genuinely appreciate it and she will experience that as gratitude or love or, or whatever, right? So the idea is we're, we're doing it specifically to create more pleasure because who doesn't want more pleasure? Because sex is better with more pleasure because our relationships are better when we experience more pleasure as opposed to the idea of I'm just doing it to avoid the pain. And because that concept of always trying to avoid pain is just so prominent in psychology. I, I felt like we really needed to address that here. Like do these things because you specifically want to increase the joy and the pleasure in your love life and in your relationship, not just because you want to try to avoid the pain. Yeah, exactly. And of course the pain is there, but really it's like, it's, it creates restrictions, right? It's a small way of relating moving away from pain and the idea of moving towards pleasure in sex and relationships in life it's just so much more expansive so much more elevated so much more juicy there's just more potential in that space so yeah. you know to use a silly example of, of what i'm talking about here and, and what we're talking about here is uh, one of my my favorite all-time comedy movies is a movie called office space i don't know if you've seen it jacqueline uh it was made made by the uh the same guy i think that did uh, beavis and butthead and a bunch of other things like that so it's a very sarcastic kind of humor but it, there's a scene in it where uh, this company, 
uh, brings in these consultants and they're, they're interviewing all the people because they're going to make some changes around the company. And so one of the main characters is talking to the consultants and he says, you know what, Bob, I got eight different bosses, right? And they're like, what, eight bosses? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, and you know what that means? Every time I make a mistake, I got to hear about it eight times, right? And he goes, so you know what that does? He says, that makes me work hard enough just to avoid not getting, just to avoid getting yelled at right? And that's the idea, right? If, if your mo- main motivation is only to avoid pain, you're going to do just enough, just enough to avoid the pain. Whereas if your motivation is to move more towards pleasure and expansion, you're then probably going to do a whole lot more because you're like, hey, let's see how much further I can take this. Let's see how much more pleasure I can experience. Let's see how much better this can get as opposed to, whew, I just narrowly avoided the pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what you want. If you're getting yelled at in your relationship, definitely go talk to a coach or a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Or you'd be surprised how many people deal with that on a regular basis. But it's not even just getting, it's it's not even just getting yelled at. It's, it's all, it's a range of things. That's the most obvious one, right? But it it could be uh, doing just enough to not get the cold shoulder, you know, doing just Mm -hmm. enough to get her to at least be open to allowing you to have sex with her, as opposed to her showing up and craving the sex with you, right? There's a range of different things uh, that that could potentially be considered avoiding pain. You know, we use the term pain, but it, it could be basically avoiding anything that you consider to be a negative. It doesn't necessarily have Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be much pain. more subtle. Exactly. And, and stuff that we all experience in one way or another. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining to people what we're talking about when we say pleasure. Right. So I think y'all got it now. It's not just about the orgasm. (laughs) It's much, much bigger than that. So, I mean, that's what we mean when we say pleasure. And we've kind of already hinted on this uh, as we were talking about that. But let's talk now about why we would want to increase this. Like, what are the benefits to doing this? Mm -hmm, Because it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Well, one of the obvious benefits here is better sex and better relationships, which we talked about prior when we were defining it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, better sex, obvious, not a whole lot we need to say there. Sex is supposed to be pleasurable. So the more pleasure you have, the better that sex is going to be for you. I don't think we need to talk too much on that one. But Better relationships maybe could use a little bit more defining. What do we mean by better relationships? Well, uh, let's start with, um, you know, when your partner is happy in the relationship because they are routinely experiencing pleasure. And that pleasure could be, you know, experiencing, uh, you know, gratitude from their partner, um, uh, a, a full range of things, obviously sexual satis- uh, satisfaction, um, just general life satisfaction. So, you know, when your partner is experiencing more pleasure, you will see that sort of ripple out through the relationship. All right. So if you are giving, say, your partner appreciation on a regular basis, right, they're experiencing those appreciations in a way that's pleasurable. It's like, oh, wow, that feels really good to be seen, to be appreciated, right? And so they're going to then give that back to you in various different ways. And so as you expand that pleasure potential, you're going to see your entire relationship get better 
in a myriad of ways. Yeah, absolutely. What you give is what you get. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the next, uh, the next point we have here is having an easier time navigating through life's ups and downs. And this goes back to when I was mentioning this openness to allow the full spectrum of emotion to move through you. And the reason why that's easier is because when it, the movement is part of the potential for pleasure, because when things get stuck is when they start to feel really bad. So this is something that, you know, it helps in sex, it helps in relationships, but also anything that's hard in life, just having that embodiment and allowing the feelings to move through really create an easier time navigating through life's ups and downs. Yeah. You know, and I I would add to that and say that, you know, the downs are easier to navigate when you've got some significant ups, right? So in other words, if you're stuck in the downs all the time, every new down that comes along, it's just like, it's like, it's like one more punch in the face, right? And how many of them can you take before you just don't get up again? So, you know, if you are experiencing high levels of pleasure in areas of your life, when those downs do come, you can be like, okay, I'm in a down. This isn't a great experience or thing that I need to, to deal with or go through, but I'll get through it. And on the other side, I know there'll be more pleasure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really having that capacity for pleasure. And our next point is more enjoyment of life, which yeah, we all want pleasure. We all want to enjoy. We want to be joyful. And that really does help us get through the hard times when we have our cup full and when we know that we can, get it refilled and contribute to filling other people's cups too. Many years ago when I used to work in tech, uh, for like corporate America tech, um, I had, I worked at this company and there was an office manager, uh, who ran the office and, you know, she was tall, blonde, very curvaceous, big boobs, the whole thing. But she was a bitch to everybody in that office. I mean, just, oh, sometimes she would walk into the room and everybody'd be like, (laughs) you know, like turning their head, don't look at her. She might yell at you, you know? And one day, you know, I I worked in a secure lab with all the other tech geeks. Uh, So you had to have a card key access to get in there. It was only the geeks in there. The rest of the company was outside and where they had windows and like, you know, normal offices. (laughs) But she had access. She could come and go as she pleased. And and one day she comes into our room and she's just like lit up. She's happy. She's nice to everybody. She walks out of the room and I turned to my boss and I went, somebody got laid last night. <laughs> we all laughed about it and we thought it was a funny joke. And we did find out later on that she was indeed seeing somebody new and you could see the way it rippled out through the rest of her life. So there she was uh, in a relationship that was nourishing her, satisfying her uh, in, in a myriad of ways. I assume I don't know, honestly, but it changed the way that she showed up in her job. And you'll see that it'll change the way you show up with your children and, you know, with your friends and, and, and all the different areas. So yeah, more enjoyment in life. Yeah. And it's true. We all know that, you know, 
somebody has a glow in a new relationship or after getting laid. And, you know, we all know that to be true. And it really does have a positive effect on our lives. And our next point is your happiness is contagious. The world is a better place when more people are happy. And, you know, when you're happy, when you're filling up your cup and and going for more pleasure, it's not a selfish endeavor. It really does. Uh, it's contagious and it, it helps the other people around you become happier too. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a huge piece. You know, sometimes people tend to see the work that I do in sex, love and relationship as only related to sex, love and relationship. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. You help people with their sex, love and relationship. I say, yes, I do that. And I help make the world a better place because when people are happy in their relationships, uh, when people are fulfilled in their sex lives, it ripples out into everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. So the world literally is a better place when people are happy and fulfilled in their sex, love, and relationships. All right, next one on the list. Until you break through your ceiling, you don't know what the potential for happiness and pleasure really is. And I have in parentheses there, you don't know what you don't know. I had to put this on the list because I have run into this with so many clients, but also friends as well. And I want to tell just a quick story here about some uh, friends of mine. So years ago, uh, Celine and I had a few friends over for dinner. There was two other couples that came over for dinner. And of course, as we always did, uh, the subject of sex came up and we started talking about, you know, sex and, and we started describing the type of sex that we would have these like long, you know, hour long sessions with these multiple waves of orgasm and just, you know, all the, all the beauty that our sex life was. And I remember one of the guys sitting there across from the table, just, he had that deer in headlights look and he was just staring at me. And when finally, when I was done, like explaining this and saying how great it was, you know, to be able to master your ejaculation and be able to ride the waves and experience all this pleasure. He just looks at me and he goes, why would you want to do that now? And then suddenly I'm the one deer in headlights. Cause I'm going, does not compute. What do you mean? Why would you want to do this? And I really thought about it a lot after that moment because the response that I got from him just didn't make sense to me. And I realized that he had never experienced what I was talking about. And therefore, he really had no concept of what I was trying to explain to him. And that's the you don't know what you don't know part, which is, you know, he had what he considered to be a good sex life. Now, because Celine was personal friends with his girlfriend, now wife, I know the intimate details of their sex life. And I can tell you, as good as they thought it was, it's barely scratching the surface of what the potential is, at least back then. I would like to think that they've made progress since then, but, <laughs> but I know it was only scratching the surface. And, and that's when I started to understand his response. I was like, oh, okay. He just doesn't know what's possible. He thinks that he's already reached the limit of where this could go, right? And of course, being where I am, I'm like, well, the, the limit, like you're not even at the starting line yet, you know? <laughs> There's so much more that you could potentially be experiencing. Um, and so, yeah, until, until you can kind of break through that, right? So I, I use the term ceiling and 
I'm going to tell one more story and then I'll, I'll let you uh, share on this. So <laughs> forgive me for dominating the conversation on this one. But when, when Selena and I first got together, um, you know, I had, I had a couple of relationships before that, that didn't work real well and, and caused a significant amount of stress in my life. Uh, and when Selena and I first got together, it was just so amazing that I remember one time we were sitting on the beach and she was looking at me and she was like, what's wrong? Cause she could tell something was sort of wrong and that wasn't really wrong. But anyway, she could feel something was off. I don't even remember what my response was. But she figured it out almost instantly. And she was like, oh, I get it. She's like, you're not used to being this happy, are you? And I was like, no, I'm actually not. (laughs) As sad as it is to say, no. And I realized that at that point, I was bumping up against my ceiling. And of course, since then, I was able to blow past that and reach significantly higher levels. But that's the thing is you don't realize you have a ceiling until you bump up against it, right? And that's the whole, you don't know what you don't know. So uh, the person in the story I was just telling um, a moment ago hadn't come anywhere near his ceiling yet. So he had no, every word I was trying to tell him was just like right over his head. Like I have, I can't, I have no concept of what you're trying to explain to me. Right. And so that's the idea of sort of breaking through your ceiling. So I would, I would encourage people like if, even if you think you don't have a ceiling, you probably do and see if you can see if you can go past it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's the saying that ignorance is bliss. Well, (laughs) pleasure ceiling. I would argue bliss is bliss. So (laughs) get there. Um, I love those stories. And, uh, yeah, when you when you mentioned that moment with Celine, I can really picture her saying that with like a little mischievous twinkle in her eye. <laughs> <laughs> for, and, for, for those that don't know, Jacqueline knew Celine personally. Yeah, yeah, she was a friend. And um yeah, just you know, thinking of that that ceiling that we don't know is there. What I find that happens with the ceiling is if I'm hitting the pleasure ceiling or the ceiling of potential in any area, it feels like it feels kind of bad. Like there's something to breathe through in that moment because there's some subconscious part that wants things to remain the same. And going beyond that is going into the unknown. So there's some kind of program running sometimes that's like, oh, things are getting too good. Like, better make something bad here. Like, some negative emotions arising or maybe starting a fight or, you know, something will arise that kind of like keeps us there. So there's some techniques to really get past that and expand into this pleasure potential. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what she was noticing in that moment. That's why I said, it seems like something's wrong, but there wasn't really anything wrong, but yeah, there's the, and so, but we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to break for uh, our mid uh, roll ad here in a second, but we're going to talk about what typically holds people back from experiencing that pleasure. Cause you, you just started to touch on it. Uh, with your last comment. And we we need to go into that a whole lot deeper before we get into what people can do to expand and and break through their own ceiling. First though, short ad. 
Hey guys, you know what makes a man great. You know the kind of masculine man that women are irresistibly attracted to and want. Is it money, job title, his physical body, being great in bed, a big penis, great pickup lines? But what if you don't have those or only some of them? What if you've had a string of failed relationships, are embarrassed by your bedroom skills, doubt whether you can rise to the occasion, worry about lasting long enough, or are always stuck in the friend zone? I can help you if you are ready to make big changes and finally become the man you have always wanted to be. Then this is the program for you. To find out more, please go to kevinandceline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. Link is in the description. This is my men's sexual mastery coaching program. It is amazing in my opinion and many of my clients as well. So if you are struggling with any of those things that I just mentioned, please go to kevinandceline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. All right. So we've talked about what does it mean to experience pleasure. We've talked about the benefits, why somebody would want to increase the pleasure. Let's talk now about what typically holds people back. Because I find that a lot of people do not realize that they are actually holding themselves back. And so if we go through some of these things, we, we, might, we might turn a few light bulbs on where people go, oh, Oh, I realize I'm doing that exact thing. Damn it, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> so what's the first one on the list there that, that holds people back? Sure. This one is the fear of being too happy or that it's all going to end badly. And this sounds kind of funny because why would we be afraid of being too happy or that it's all going to end badly? And there are some deeper subconscious things going on that are at play and we'll get into those. But do you have anything more to say on that one, Kevin? Uh, yeah. I mean, what I would say about it is it's really common. It's really common. Like it's amazing to me how many people are afraid to actually allow themselves to be happy. And, and the reason that is, is because they're afraid that if, if they, if they really embrace the happiness that suddenly it's all going to turn bad, right? And you'll hear people say stuff all like this way. all the time. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jinx it. I can't be too happy about being happy or I'm going to jinx it. It's all going to go away, right? Um, and so people will often hold themselves back simply because of that fear. Now, I will say that we do live in a world, a reality of duality, right? So everything in the, you know, the entire construct of the multiverse that we live in is based on duality. So when there's happiness, yes, there is sadness. But don't let that fool you into thinking that just because I've experienced some level of happiness or some length of time of happiness, that I'm going to get the equal or worse result on the other end. That's just not true. But that's what people's fear is all the time. I can't be too happy because that means there's going to be something really bad down the road, right? And, and, and that's just, that's not... Well, it's not an empowering belief, but it's also not true unless, of course, you make it true in your own head. So, Yeah. Or even what if I can't handle it being bad after it's this good? Yeah. Like fear of the capacity going away. So there's a lot that can that can kind of get stuck in that category. Yeah. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, uh, sometimes and I don't even think it's on the list here. Uh no, no, it's not. So, but it's, you, you just said, what if I can't handle 
the bad side of it. But sometimes you actually hear people say, what if I can't handle the good side of it? What if it's too much for me? And, and I've had people say that too. Like, I can't handle this. It's too much. And that's, that's when they're hitting that ceiling, right? Exactly. Yeah. That bad feeling that if you just get through it, there's so much pleasure on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the next big reason that people uh, hold back? The next one here is about sex. And this is shame around sex that holds one back from experiencing all that sex can be. And this can come in from so many different angles. Some of it is thinking your desires are taboo or not wanting other people to know them or even just a feeling of shame coming up in the body around sex. And it can really get in the way of experiencing the full range of pleasure. Um, In my experience, having so many conversations with different people around sex, what you think is taboo or something you can't do is probably a totally okay practice as long as it's consensual and safe. Um, And... uh, Yeah. And also you can keep your sex life as private as you want it to be, or be as open as you want to be about it. But those feelings of shame that just come up in the body, they are real and there's a way to work through them and experience more pleasure. Yeah. Shame is a big one. Shame is one that we see a lot. And interestingly enough, what I see when it comes to shame around sex, when working with clients is a lot of my clients would never actually say that they have shame around sex. They wouldn't describe it as shame. Like if I said, are you, uh, do you feel shame around your sexual habits or likes or dislikes? And they'll say, no, 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 I'm okay with it. But if you start drilling down a little deeper and asking more questions, you'll find out that there is often a layer of shame underneath it. Their conscious mind is saying, I'm perfectly fine with this thing that I like to do sexually. But their subconscious mind is, is basically sabotaging them and saying, this is wrong. Remember what your mother said, you know, or, or whatever, you know, uh, society says. Uh, you know. So there, there's often that undercurrent of shame that's beneath that can hold people back that they're often unaware of. Now, Sometimes I work with clients who are like, yeah, I totally have shame and and they get it and they understand it. But I would say the majority of the time, they're not even aware that shame is uh, the thing that's getting in their way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And related to shame, but different is guilt of I shouldn't experience this much pleasure. And this can go back to the same things of like what my parents said about pleasure or good feelings or what society says is like, am I really allowed to feel this much pleasure? Um, And yeah, I would say that a lot of people aren't really in touch with that being guilt. It just manifests in the form of like closed off or like stuck or not knowing what's in the way. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. A lot of times people would not say I feel guilty about it, but underneath it that's really what's happening. They're they're feeling guilty about it. And guilt generally comes down to self-worth issues. Now, if you really did something wrong like, you know, 
you, you broke like a major law, like you murdered somebody or something like that. And, you know, you have guilt about it. That's one thing. But in the, in the context of sex, love and relationship where you haven't actually physically harmed anybody in any way, you know, the, the guilt is usually a self-worth issue. Like I'm not mm-hmm. worthy of experiencing this much pleasure. I, you know, for whatever reason, and you, you will see that a lot. You'll see it in both men and women. Unfortunately, however, I, I tend to see that one more with women, you know, the more like I, I shouldn't be experiencing this much pleasure. I'm not worthy of it, you know, sort of thing. I don't know what your experience on that is. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I would say the same that it shows up more in women than in men. And something just came to mind that I really love as a tool when this guilt comes up of like, I shouldn't experience this much pleasure. Usually there's some kind of voice in your head and it feels like it's something from what I heard in my childhood or like society says this and just taking a moment to pause and check in and be like, is anybody else here? It's like, oh no, this is going on in my head. So when you say it's a self-worth and a self-love thing, it really is happening inside of yourself. It definitely may be influenced by things you saw and heard in the past, but that stance of empowerment of like, I can change this and I can shift this belief into one that's more self-loving and, you know, encompassing of all that one is, is, is really, um, really a hack to get into the, uh, get out of the guilt. So, um, yeah. Do you want to jump into the next one here? Yes. All right. The next one is worried about what others will think. And that's an interesting one too. It, it, I mean, the, sh- the shame, the guilt, and the worry are all somewhat related, but they are all different flavors, right? They're, they are sort of slightly different motivations. And so uh, you'll see this a lot too, where where people are like, I don't really want to talk about how amazing my new relationship is or how great the sex I'm having is because other people are going to judge me for it. Yep. Yeah. Or other people might get jealous or in some way is going to take away something else in my life. Yeah. That's a common, that's a common one. You know, I get that, you know, there's some people that they, they don't like to brag. I don't want to brag. Right. Okay. That that's fine. And there's other people who are worried about being judged or worried about, you know, their friends being jealous. I'm not saying you need to go rub it in their faces and like, look how great I am. Ha ha. You suck. I'm not, that's not, that's not where we're going with this. But what I want to tell people is uh, first of all, other people's opinions are none of your business. I'm sure you've all heard that before. (laughs) Right. So what other people think of you is none of your business, (laughs) but two, if you're genuinely experiencing, you know, pleasure and a beautiful relationship and great sex, tell people about it in a way that's not bragging so that you can open other people's minds to the possibilities and the potential that are there. Wouldn't it be great if by sharing, oh my God, I've met this amazing man or this amazing woman and this is the type of relationship we have and the sex is like this, it's amazing, it's mind-blowing. If you share that with people in a way that's not about, look at me, I'm so much better than you, you're going to inspire others to pursue the same thing and to try to create the same thing in their own life and their own relationships. 
Exactly. That being a source of inspiration is a huge one. And this goes down to having better relationships because so often we can connect over what we're what sucks, what we want to complain about. And how much better would it be if we could connect more over how much pleasure we're experiencing and how amazing things are and really, you know, be that source of inspiration and be celebrated, celebrate each other and just have those elevated connections. Yeah. I say screw misery loves company and let's do pleasure loves company even yes. more. <laughs> All right. Yes. Next on the list, uh, oh yeah, suffering obligations of love, attempts to belong to our family of origin or ancestral line. Oh yeah, I know this is one that you put on the list, so I want I want you to to speak to that in like what your mindset was when you were when you were writing that. Absolutely. Yeah, this comes from my NLP background. So this is some of the deeper subconscious stuff that's going on around when we're talking about this pleasure ceiling. It's like, well, why do we have it there anyways? What's going on underneath? And these suffering obligations of love are basically like our mind thinking in some way, well, you know, my parents only had it this good. Or People in my family only had it this good. So in order to maintain my status of belonging, I'm only going to have it that good too. It's like our way to try to not betray our family or like assuage our guilt at having escaped their fate. And when you say it out loud, it sounds so silly. Like, of course, no, your parents are probably rooting for you to have an experience that was better than theirs. But our psychology does something that tries to really like connect with them based on that suffering. And it's really unwinding that like misery loves company and going to the pleasure loves company. And, you know, even if it's different, just knowing that like you belong, your DNA is your family's and, you know, you can expand into who you are, the things you want to experience and break out of that, that, uh, that thing that so many of us subconsciously do. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. A lot of people do do this. They uh, will often only aspire to whatever level their parents or, you know, family in general have aspired to. This is, this is why you tend to see people stay in whatever class that they were born into. Uh, because one, they don't know the potential for doing something other than that. Uh, but also, yeah, because they might potentially have a fear of expanding past, you know, their, their parents or their family. But what's interesting about that is that, um, and as a parent, I imagine that you can also, uh, agree with this, but every parent does everything they can for their children to make sure that their children have a better life than they had. Every parent that their primary goal is, how do I give you a life better than the one that I had? Now, uh, yep. maybe if somebody was raised a billionaire and had everything in the world, maybe that's not their motivation. But every other regular person, that's how it's always been. I didn't get the opportunity to go to college. I want to make sure my kids get the opportunity to go to college. I had to work a manual labor job and, and wear out my body by the time I was 40, right? I want to make sure my kids don't do that, that they, they have an easier job, that they make more money, that they don't go through the struggles and trials that I went through, right? That's what most parents want to do. So if you're over there thinking, oh, I don't want to expand past them because, you know, somehow that's wrong, 
keep in mind, that's exactly what your parents want. They want you to expand past them. They want you to have a bigger, better, easier, more fulfilling life than they had. They don't want you to go through the suffering that they went through. Yeah. Yeah. As long as your parents are, you know, like basically healthy, good people, that's probably their intention. So that's a that's a big thing to keep in mind. And some of it too, is that you don't know what you don't know. So talking to somebody else, you know, whether it's a supportive friend or a coach or a therapist can be really helpful in just unlocking like, yes, the thing that you want is totally valid and possible, um, can really, you know, allow that expansion to happen. Yes. Okay, next one on the list is concerns about loss of relationship or financial stability or opportunity or freedom. Basically, the idea that, hey, if I allow myself to really uh, experience this much pleasure, somehow my partner's not going to like that. They're going to get jealous. They might want to leave. Or sometimes it can be the opposite way around, which is if my partner experiences this much pleasure, maybe outside of the confines of our relationship, that he or she is going to want to leave because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be it can be so many different things. And it it really all falls into this like irrational fear category. Um but it's a real experience happening, right? This like, you know, it's a worried about what other people will think, what they'll experience, like, and it comes down to self-trust, trust of others. There's a lot that can be going on in these. Um, and they're all worth unpacking. Yeah. And, you know, I would just say like, rather than sitting there worried about it, you just got to have discussions about these things. You've got to have open and clear communication. And then you got to say, hey, I noticed that you've been experiencing a lot of pleasure when you go out with your girlfriends. I just want to make sure that, you know, all is good here. And, you know, how can I support that? How can you support me? Like those kinds of conversations can go a long way towards, uh, uh, sort of soothing any of those fears that come up around, you know, either I'm experiencing too much pleasure or he or she is experiencing too much pleasure. So as is often the case on this show, it comes down to good communication. Yeah. Good communication and also having balance and, um, and yeah, it's not like pleasure needs to take over your whole life. Um, but you know, communication, good relationships, discipline, like all of those things being integrated into it. All of the things that are important to you are a part of pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping the lifestyle. And uh, the next one here is, oh, we've said this in other ways, but they don't know what's possible and settle for less. Yes, yes, yes. That That is a big one. Uh, I kind of put it on the end of the list for a reason, not just because we talked about it earlier, uh, but because it is, it is one of the more common ones that I often see is people like, like the story I told earlier, they just don't have any idea of what's possible. And so they just stick in their little comfort zone of, oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty good. This is, this is okay. When you could be experiencing so much, so much more. And you know, the thing is, if you're not, if you're not sure whether or not there's anything past where you are. Well, one, the only way you're going to know is if you, if you go search it out and see, but what's the worst case scenario? 
you expand, you go out there and you go, you know what, where I was, was, was perfectly fine. Like I've been there. It's not for me or there, it wasn't any better than what I already have. Okay. So what there's, there's really no downside to at least attempting to see how much further you could go with it. Definitely. You can go back to the way things were before. You probably won't want to, but you could. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can can go back anytime you want. (laughs) They're never going back. (laughs) Never. All right. So those are those are some of the typical things that uh, you know we see that hold people back from really wanting to expand and experience more pleasure. So, you know, we've talked about what is pleasure. We've talked about uh, what the benefits are. We've talked about the things that people normally do to hold themselves back. Let's get into probably what most people really want to talk about, which is how do I increase my pleasure? How do I break past that ceiling? How do I expand and open more? Uh, how, do, how do they do it? Well, we've, we've got a list. <laughs> yes, this is the good stuff. We're there. So the first one we have on the list is to be open to the possibility that there is more pleasure to be experienced. And our beliefs around pleasure are really so core to how much pleasure we can experience. So being open to the possibility that there is more pleasure to be experienced. I hope if you've listened so far that you've gotten a little glimmer that there may be more. It's a big piece. We have done our best, I think, in this show is to uh, pique people's interest in, and, and get them to at least to be open to the possibility. But that, that really is the first step. If you're not open to it, if you think that wherever you are is the end-all be-all, then you're never going to go further than that. So you got to at least be open to the possibility. And as we just talked about before, what, what's, the, what's the worst that can happen? You, you expand past where you are and you go, eh, not for me. So then you go back. And you, yeah, you could go back if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yes, go ahead. Oh, yeah. The second one here is to work on removing your shame, fear, and guilt. And like we mentioned before, these things may not be obvious. You may not know right off the bat you're experiencing shame, fear, or guilt. So some of the things to do that are to practice mindfulness Um, Some of it is doing the inner work of completing the painful experiences of the past. So we're not just in those kind of like trauma cycles of recreating the painful experiences that happen so that we can find completion, but rather going back on purpose, doing the work and saying like past is in the past, that is complete. And doing those things with the help of a coach or a therapist is super supportive. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously we can tell you to just, yeah, just remove your shame, fear, and guilt. That's probably not going to do you a whole lot of good unless we give you at least a few tools on how to do that as we did. So the mindfulness, doing the inner work and the inner, the inner work could be a lot of different tools. You know, you could be doing family constellation therapy, or you could be doing standard therapy, or you could be doing, uh, some sort of, um, uh, body-based 
work, right? Where, where, you know, you're, you're uh, receiving, this is a lot of what like Celine used to do, um, like hands-on body-based work that can help remove stuck trauma and things like that. So there's, there's a ton of tools that you could potentially use. Personally, just listening to this show should help you get over at least some of the shame and the guilt stuff. Because one of the, one of the biggest uh, pieces of feedback that we've gotten consistently on this show over the years is like, I can't believe you guys talk about all that stuff and you talk about it like it's so easy. That's, that's the thing that a lot of people say, whether it's YouTube comments or emails that we get. It's like, how is it so easy for you guys to just talk about some of these sexual related topics where, because, you know, a lot of people, they, they can't even get the words out of their mouth with their significant other. No, let's mm -hmm. talk about it on a podcast, <laughs> put it all over YouTube. So, so simply listening to this show and getting used to talking about these things is already a big step in overcoming your shame. So exactly. That's huge. Just normalizing the topic. And, you know, one of my favorite ways, especially around the shame pieces around sex is we all came from sex. All of us. Yes, we did. So it really is normal. It's part of who we are as whole human beings. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully that shifts some things. And in the category of mindfulness, I just want to share one of my favorite ways to meditate, especially when the shame, fear, and guilt are coming up, is to just kind of like imagine oneself slightly above, like looking at yourself in your body, experiencing the shame, fear, and guilt, and just being present with that. Just that presence with the emotion um, can be really powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the mindfulness piece is is huge, and it's it's something that I pretty much work with every client on, no matter what their problem is, because it's always in there in the mix of what's in the way. In to some extent, it might not always be the biggest thing in the way, but it's always there that that basically lack of, of mindfulness. So yeah, that's a really big piece. Mm -hmm. Okay. And going into, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, if you have something to add to that, go for yeah. it. Well, going into the embodiment practices, just what I want to say here is such a huge piece of this pleasure potential is getting out of your head and into your body to actually feel with sensation, the pleasure. It's not something that you think about or that goes on in your head. It's not a it's not a narrative happening in the head. So the narratives can be shame, fear, and guilt. And getting into those embodiment practices just out of the head is so it's it's vital. You got to do it. Do you yeah. have more to say on embodiment? <laughs> oh yeah, no. It, embodiment is is huge. So this definitely shows up for both men and women, but it shows up in, in kind of two different ways uh, for, for both. So what I see with women when it comes to being stuck in the mind is when they are making love, a lot of the times their minds are like, especially that they got kids, they're thinking about, you know, are the kids okay? Or are they going to walk in? Or, you know, I got to take care of this. I got to make sure their lunches are ready for tomorrow, right? They, they've just got a gazillion things running around through their heads. And so therefore they're not really uh, present in their physical body. And that really severely limits their potential for pleasure in that sexual encounter. 
Um, so that's the way I, I tend to see it a lot with women is they just, they're stuck in their head, spinning around with all the tasks and things they have to do in life. And therefore yeah. they're not really being present in their physical body, right? Where they could be focusing on the sensations they're feeling or, you know, their partner or whatever. They're, they're just stuck spinning around in their heads. So like, I got to do this. I got so many things to do and blah, blah, blah. Whereas with the men, what I tend to see is the uh, performance anxiety, which is, again, being stuck in the head. So they're like, am I going to be able to get, oh, uh, we're, it's getting a little steamy in here. It might move towards sex. What if I can't get an erection, right? That's been around in their heads or, or oh, I wasn't, I didn't think it was going to go to sex and I didn't do my masturbation practice or whatever. What if I can't last long enough? And that's spinning around in their head, right? So there's all, all this like performance anxiety stuff that tends to get in the way for guys. Both of those things will really impact your ability to experience pleasure in the moment. So if you can figure out a way to get into your body and out of your head, you will have a much, much better experience. And, you know, there's lots of ways to do that. Uh, when it comes to embodiment practices, I mean, outside the bedroom, there's a ton of things that you could do that get you into your physical body. Uh, you know, you could do dance. Dance can get you into your physical body. Martial arts, that's a, a big one that I, I liked to recommend to the men, but it's not just for men. Women, it's great for women too. Men just tend to be a little bit more uh, attracted towards that as a path. But um, anything that really gets you focusing on your physical body, like, you know, I mean, listeners of the show know that uh, uh, I've practiced um, traditional Japanese sword arts for many, many years. And, you know, when you're in a small confined space with like eight or 10 other people, and at least half of you are at a level where you've got real live swords that can cut human bodies in half, and you're all spinning and twirling and, you know, swords are flying everywhere. Nothing will make you more present in that moment than the fact that if I let my mind wander even a little bit, somebody could die, literally, <laughs> right? So, mm -hmm. so anything that gets you out of the distracted, what we call monkey mind and brings you into your physical body uh, is, is a good practice because if you do that regularly, on a regular basis, all the time, when it comes time to, oh, I'm connecting with my partner, oh, we're making love now, you'll be able to tap into that a whole lot easier than if you don't have some other practice for getting into your body. So, you know, th there's a tons of ways to do that. Just find one that works well for you. Um, you know. Absolutely. And that's why they're called practices, because the more we practice them, we get better at them and then we can tap in and access those states when we want to. So there, yes. like you said, so many different embodiment practices and anything that gets you into the body. And when you mentioned um, the piece about women thinking about all of the things that there is to do, um, it felt really valuable to say, you know, when you are going into a sexual experience, just taking a moment to really set the space and, you know, if there's things running in your mind, your to-do list to write it down, if you have kids, like lock the door, like set up your bedroom or your space in a way that you really have, you know, a sacred container to experience the fullness of what you are. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I always uh, teach the men as well is if you really want her to be able to let go of all that stuff, you got to help her out a little bit. 
right? In other words, if you want her to really let go of all the things that need to be done in the house so that she can actually be present with you, maybe you need to help her out with some of it, you know, like make sure you do the dishes, take the trash out, take a few of those things off of her mind so that she doesn't have to spin them around over and over again. It's a great way to help that. Yeah. Yeah. That is super hot. And you know, if you take the trash out, do the dishes and you go light some candles and lock the doors even better. <laughs> and then if you fuck her into oblivion, you're God. <laughs> yes, <be> God. <laughs> Not in the literal sense for the people who are, are religious listening. Like, oh my God. He, look what he just said. Oh yeah. No, not that. Not that. Hmm. Interesting. My video just oh. disappeared. Give me one second to rectify that. Okie dokie. Hmm. We're just going to quickly switch. Looks like something happened to my camera. And he's back. I'm back with a backup camera. <laughs> I don't know. My, my camera just shut down for some reason and I don't know why. That's never huh. happened before. All right. So uh, we are right up against the end of the show. We're coming up to the one hour limit here, but we do have a few more things that we want to cover. So let's get into those. Uh, next on the list is... Uh, to use mindful, conscious sex to raise your pleasure ceiling. So there are ways that you can use sex itself, right, as a way um, to increase your pleasure ceiling. So like the, one of the things I have on the list here is the extended orgasm practice, which is similar to what most people know as oming, right? But it, it, it is its own thing. We actually had uh, Alicia... Uh, What's Alicia's last name? I can't remember. But uh, in episode 211, you can go listen to that and figure out what the uh, extended orgasm practice is. Uh, but that is a tool that you can use to use sex and sexual energy as a way uh, to um, increase your pleasure ceiling. Uh, there are others, of course. One is giving without return, right? So this idea of um, I'm going to give to you for as long as I feel good about it and as long as you feel good about it and I'm not expecting anything in return. So why is that a, a way to increase the pleasure ceiling? Well, because a lot of times, and, and Jacqueline, you can also talk about this. Here's something that I hear from women a lot of the time. A guy's going to go down on her and you know, rather than sitting there and enjoying it, like she'll enjoy it for a while, but then she starts thinking, oh, what if I'm taking too long? to have an orgasm and what if he's uncomfortable and what if he's getting tired and what if he doesn't want to do it anymore, right? And all that stuff's going around in her head, which is preventing her from seeing how much pleasure can I actually experience in this scenario? Whereas if you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you're, I'm going to make it comfortable for you and your only job is to relax and receive. And don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about me. I got my end taken care of and I'm going to go for as long as it works for me and you don't have to worry about it at all. So you're taking the pressure off of, you know, oh, you know, if, if 
I do if I allow him to do this act to me for 30 minutes, uh, then I'm going to have to do it to him for 30 minutes. And I don't want to do it to him for 30 minutes. So I better end this right now. Right. Like there's all these things that get in the way that prevent us from really being able to experience more pleasure. So one of the ways to mitigate that is to simply uh, take that off the table and say, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to give to you. And your only job is to receive and experience as much pleasure as you possibly can. Yes. Yes to this. And what could there be a more fun mindfulness or embodiment practice? I don't think so. I don't think so either. (laughs) And I really love this because this really touches on a piece of trust and it moves relationships from being transactional to being relational. And what I mean by that is if you and your partner agree somebody's going to give and somebody's going to receive, then it's trusting their word for it, trusting the agreement, trusting that what they say is what they mean. And just really allowing to let go of all that monkey mind or like, what might this mean? And instead having direct communication. So not only is it a mindfulness and embodiment practice to increase pleasure, but really, really helps to increase trust and authenticity in the relationship too. I really love that one. Yeah. And then the last one on that is to make love for at least an hour or longer if you can. And the idea is, you know, how are we going to raise our pleasure ceiling? You got to get to the ceiling. You got to get Mm -hmm. there, which means you got to go long enough to be able to get up to that ceiling. If you can't even get to the ceiling, you're not going to be able to move past it. So that's the idea behind that. And you know, for some people, it, it might not take an hour to get to the ceiling, but for many, it, it probably will. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think you can always expand into more. I don't know if anyone's ever reached the ceiling of all ceilings. <laughs> no, no. And especially if you're a woman, you are, I say this all the time, and, and most of the time women agree with me, but you are unlimited in your ability to receive and experience pleasure. You can have orgasm after orgasm after orgasm. The only thing that could possibly get in your way is you might get dehydrated and need a snack, (laughs) like low blood sugar. Otherwise, you're unlimited in your ability. So why not see how far you can go? Now, I have never seen a woman actually hit like the final ceiling, but I have heard women say, I don't think I can take anymore. And then you go past it and they can. And then, mm-hmm. it, and then it blows their mind because they're like, I didn't even think I had the capacity for more than that. But somehow I do. Exactly. And this goes into the next point of allowing any emotions that come up when you're experiencing pleasure to move through you and not get stuck. And so often this can be really sneaky. It can manifest as just like, I'm done. I'm complete. I'm tired. I've had enough. And staying with it just a little bit longer, there can be a lot more pleasure on the other side of those things. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, this is another big point I talk about uh, with guys all the time, too, which is that, you know, if you're doing a good job, emotions will come up with your woman from time to time. 
Uh, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And too many guys go, they freak out and they're ah, ah, she's crying. There's something happening. What's wrong? Let me try to fix it. Cause that's what we do, right? Worst thing that you can possibly do. Just hold Don't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just hold space for her and allow those emotions to flow. Women are emotional beings. If emotions are moving in them, that's a good thing. If you're with a woman and she doesn't show any emotion, that's a red flag. <laughs> Cause most, mm-hmm. most likely she's repressing it all. And and it's going to explode out some other time. So exactly. And sometimes that, you know, before getting to that other, that new level of pleasure, there's some tears or there's some, some unusual sounds or some screaming or some kind of flailing that needs to come out. And that holding space, it's nothing fancy. It's just kind of like holding a comfortable stance around those things happening. Yeah. So don't need to fix it. Don't need to change it. Don't need to ask what's wrong. Just being there, being present again, that mindfulness. Absolutely. Okay. Last one on the list is pretty simple. Practice, practice, and practice some more. If you really want to figure out how you can expand into more pleasure, you just got to practice. And you know what? It's just like you said before, Jacqueline, I can't think of a better, (laughs) more fun, thing to practice than experiencing more pleasure. <laughs> yep. Practice your pleasure. That's the homework. Mm-hmm. Practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you don't do your homework, Jacqueline's going to discipline you. <laughs> don't put that on me. That's going to be out there. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go, everybody. That is how to increase your potential for pleasure. I hope that you found that interesting. I highly encourage you to see just how much more pleasure you can create in your life, not just in the bedroom, but in your relationships and in every other area of your life. So, Jacqueline, I want to give you an opportunity, uh, obviously, to say any last words that you want to say, and then also tell everybody uh, how they can find out more about you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this and find your way to more pleasure. And I want to speak to an offering I have for women. So, hey, ladies, are you ready to amp up your life's pleasure quotient? Have you ever wondered how some women just own it? You know, the ones who rock fearless confidence, embrace their sexuality, and seem to attract every man. Is it all about a beautiful body, an ideal career, saying the right thing, or having a perfect relationship? What if you don't fit the mold? Are you dealing with relationship bumps, unsure about your wants or battling self-doubt? I can help you. If you're ready to rise, speak up and claim your pleasure-filled life, then doing this work is for you. And to find out more, go to avasofia.love slash coaching. And the link for that will be in the description in case you don't know how to spell Ava Sofia. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I uh, I think we did a good job of opening people to the potential uh, that they could be experiencing more pleasure. So thank you for helping everybody do that. Fabulous. Thank you, Anthony, Kevin, Anthony. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. That's all the time that we have for this episode. And I will see you next week. All righty.
Tchau! We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at celineremy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>